here today with a fascinating guest. He is the founder of the Kennedy Method. He is also the founder of the Mental Performance Institute. I actually just got the opportunity to do some of these exercises, and it is really, really interesting. And I can't wait just for you guys to learn all about this. So we're going to play a little video uh, that'll give you a little insight into what he does. His name is John Kennedy, and we watch that, and then I will bring him in. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely, Courtney. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with you. <laughs> Likewise. So that was really interesting. I, I, I'm going to need to find out what song that was. But the first thought that went through my mind, I had just asked you if it was a classical piece. I, I don't actually know right. at all what it is. But I have heard that classical music can help with mental performance. Absolutely. Especially like they, they play classical music mm -hmm. when the baby's in the womb still, right? So they're hearing this sound. And all of us, actually, it's a way of us to help relax. Mm -hmm. Some people can have music in the background while they're working. But if you're going to have music, classical music is the best because it kind of touches different parts of your brain and helps you calm, right, mm -hmm. while you're doing your work. Interesting. Yeah. Do, do they know why? I don't know why. Okay. <laughs> Not my lane, but right, I know right. that I've read the research about yeah. that for sure. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So let's let's give everybody a little bit of background into okay. you've done some work in uh, the corporate space and you did some work with some veterans and you found this right. connection between neuroplasticity and intuition. So I think yes. super exciting and fascinating. Well, thank you. So actually, that's the real reason I created my program. Mm -hmm. So Back in, you know, before I did this, I was actually a process improvement consultant and advisor mm -hmm. to C-level. So big companies, mm -hmm. high-level people. I love what I did. Mm -hmm. And in 2006, my brother came back from Iraq and said, hey, IEDs, which are the improvised explosive devices that kill so many of our guys, are killing us over there. Can you help? I thought, wow, if I could maybe somehow help save lives instead right. of just helping businesses make more money, mm -hmm. I'd like to try that. Right. So long story short, six months later, I'm at a Marine base in California, 29 Palms, for an event called IED Industry Day. And the whole purpose of this event was to invite contractors from all over the world for a long weekend where they just expose us all to as much about IEDs as possible. So they blew stuff up and scared us, right? They had us do all these different things. But what really... Uh, um, made an impression on me, and I don't know if anybody else noticed this, was that the Marine guides who led us around the exercises had all survived IED attacks. And the consistent story was, mm -hmm. I started going down this one street or this one alley, something okay. told me something was wrong and I went a different way. Mm -hmm. The guys behind me kept going, right? So why did these Marines in particular 
same demographic right. and ages of everybody else, same training, have better what we would call intuition. In other words, they could anticipate the danger and execute on how to get out of danger, right? So it's right. more than just sensing it, they had to sure. do it. So the very last day, I'm shaking hands with General Doug Stone, the base commander, and I had this kind of God wink intuition kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm shaking his hands and I said, well, what if we could do to the brain what I do for operations, make it more efficient mm -hmm. and use neuroplasticity, which is this incredible capability God gave our brains to change from stimulation as the medium. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can improve intuition. No idea if it would work, right? Mm -hmm. And he helped me get my first contract. And that was the whole purpose of my first developing this program was to wow. improve intuition to save guys' lives. Mm -hmm. And to make a long story short, it, I had a full Department of Defense experiment, um, and it was extremely successful. So oh, wow. I worked with the worst performing platoon in the battalion, so 40 guys out of 1,000. Three guys had tried to commit suicide, a lot mm -hmm. of post-traumatic stress disorder. Three months later, best performing platoon in the battalion, but also one of the best ever to go through final pre-deployment training. Okay. And so what I learned in that process was if we stimulate the brain with what we call robust stimulation, mm -hmm. research out of MIT found this, the brain will start to change immediately. Not what is in, robust? Yeah, good question, right? Mm -hmm. So robust stimulation is the brain has to work really hard. So if the brain works really hard, it's going to change to handle the load. Mm. What I differentiated was we made the brain work hard in executive function, right? Ability to make the decisions and anticipate, which was intuition. Mm. At the same time, the connections to the real world. So what we found is amazing because it blew us away. We had no idea it was going to be this effective. Right. Everything they did was better. So scores got better. Marksmanship got better. And the cool thing is it also accelerated recovery from trauma, concussions, post-traumatic wow. stress anxiety. So the same program, because we're making the brain faster and more focused, improving memory, helps going into combat, during combat, because they can practice the exercises while they're over there. Right. And then and when they come back, helps them accelerate faster recovery. Wow, that's amazing. So what I, I'm so curious of like all the facets of yeah, that's right, the right, discovery, right. like right. how did this, you know, come about? Like, were there a bunch of trial and error like did you have this uh because i've done i won't give the details of you know the the little yeah, you actually went through a demonstration yeah right, right. so how did you come up with that though like it it's so simple and yet it's very specific so was and there that, a lot of trial and error involved well in, that, in the beginning there was yeah. because i so the best part of this three months i only had three months to develop this program wow and the best part for me was they actually had to embed with Marines in order to do it. So they went through all the training exercises. I was with them. And these are the most yeah. awesome guys ever, right? Right, <laughs> right. You know, you're out for three weeks in the desert with, you know, no hot water or anything. Mm -hmm. And you're sharing stuff. It was an incredible experience for me, sure. building relationships with those guys. But I thought in the beginning that I had to train exercises that would help them and what they need to do as Marines. I thought, oh, maybe I have to come up with exercises that would prove marksmanship, for example, mm -hmm. or leadership. Sure. What I realized was by changing the brain in the areas critical to executive function, it didn't matter what they did. Mm -hmm. So by this set exercises and core functionality of the brain, yeah. they did shoot better. They did have better leadership. They did have less stress. So all these things happened. Mm -hmm. And I kind of liken it to putting a new processor in your computer. 
right? Mm -hmm. So you can upgrade every one of your applications, right. but if you put a new processor in, every application and right. the operating After. system all work better. Right. And so that was the core. Now we do customize some, like for some professional athletes, we'll customize mm -hmm. some of the exercises to their sports. Sure. But that was the key. And that that at that point, it was like, as long as I can make the brain faster, more focused, key, everything else is going to get better. And that was what led. And from the Marines, then it spread to Navy SEALs, snipers, pilots, anyone in the Marine Corps, any in the military that I work with, their metrics got significantly better. And then I'm, when I moved to the civilian sector, and now I get to work with high performers, mm -hmm. like professional athletes, business mm -hmm. leaders. But also, when I really like to work with people with concussions, kids mm -hmm. with ADHD, strokes, and all those people get helped as well. Sure. Yeah. Um, I was telling you when I tried it, it reminded me so much of a lot of the little exercises I did as a kid. As a kid, I, right. I really think that they were so, I mean, it wasn't the same exactly, but I, I think it was a similar concept. Um, and I really attribute so much of that to my functionality. Um, yeah. And the fact that a lot of it was not just, a, you know, brain exercise, but that it was physical. Yes. And yep. I, I talk about that all the time. I used to, before I did this, I was doing speeches around like my birth story. And I would talk about movement as a metaphor for life and using physical yeah. training as a teacher to help you overcome adversity in other areas of life. And my mom would tell me that like they, you know, she you know, with kids, you don't know, you have children, so you know that like, you don't know what is going to motivate them because yeah. we're, we're all so different, right? right? right, right. And uh, so they would try all sorts of different things, but she, she learned very quickly that for me, the reward was in the, uh, the achievement. Like, so if I achieve, mm. accomplished whatever the task was, and so I thought it was really interesting because you had made a comment about like when one of the things I did and it was, you know, just even the thought of it was hard. And I started laughing. You said, that's a dopamine hit. Yes. Right. And right. I, I, that was what it reminded me of because I would get very excited by the yeah. prospect of, Oh, this is a challenge. And if I succeed, then right. that's a, it, there was a high essentially. Yes, exactly. And that's what happens. So dopamine yeah. is not about accomplishing. It's about anticipating. Right. And then you feel good. Your brain changes fast. You start laughing. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned this is probably for any parents out there. It's mm -hmm. important because your parents obviously do this really well. A lot of parents don't. They struggle with their kids. Mm -hmm. One of my early mentors is a, a guy named Dennis Jenkins. He mm -hmm. was an educator in Australia and he developed this whole approach to changing the brain engaged in real world, you know, exercises. Mm -hmm. And his theory, and I believe this, is kids learn the most from modeling from adults and mm -hmm. interaction with their environment. Yeah. Right. And so for him, it's kind of interesting. So, mm -hmm. so he has a, all these learning disabilities. His parents were missionaries. They went out in Australia, right? They went out mm -hmm. to the Aborigines and just by hanging out with them and doing all the things that they did, he came back a straight A student. Oh Why? God. Because he's challenging the brain. Now, so many schools, the first thing they cut is sports, you know, and, and and shop and all those things. So who cares about content? You can always learn content. Right. The way you change your brain is by interacting with your environment. When you're building something in shop, right, or cooking something in class, you're actually, or sports, right? Mm -hmm. You're using your body with your brain that makes those connections stronger. And that's the foundation that everything else is built on. Right. So many years ago in South Korea, they actually coined something called digital dementia. And they found that because South Korea is one of the most connected countries in the world, okay. they have babies on cell phones. 
I was going to ask you about yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. And so the problem is that when you the phone is doing the work for you that your brain should do, it's like sitting around in bed all day long. Your yeah. body's not getting challenged. And so between birth and like six or seven is when our foundational connections happen. You imagine what a mm -hmm. six-year-old, they have to walk, they have to mm -hmm. talk, they have to think, they yeah. have to get themselves dressed. All those connections are huge. Now, when they're sitting on a little digital screen all day long, those connections aren't formed. Mm -hmm. And so then when they get old, they found in their 20s, they're already developing uh, dementia. That's what I call digital dementia. Uh -huh. Now, the other sad thing is, I, I don't know how many times I walk by parks Mm -hmm. And kids will be out there. Hey, mommy, mommy, look at me. And mommy's looking at her stupid Facebook on her phone, right? right? So she's not engaging with her child. She's not getting the child the encouragement that the child needs. The child's mm -hmm. not developing that relationship. Right. And then the child's going to mimic the adult, modeling of adults, mm -hmm. and the kid's going to be on the phone all day. So it's easy, right? So, right. so that's one thing. They're not getting the, the feedback either, right? That's how they, they're they not model the adults. Positive right. feedback. Yeah. And we have to remember with our brains, anything that's easy is not good for our brains. Right. Right. So we can do Google Maps, and I use Google Maps. It's a great okay. tool. But if you never learn how to use a real map, you want to help your kids teach them how to use a real map. Yeah. Right. You know, when you're taking a trip, have your child read the map and tell you where to go. They got to look out the window. They got to see the streets. They got to look at the map. They have to recognize shapes, have to recognize direction, orientation. All these things are encouraging the brain. It's like if you want to go to the grocery store, you can drive, you can walk. Right. right. Well, drive is fast, easy and fast. Sure. If you walk, you're peaceful. You're in nature. Mm -hmm. You're looking at the birds. I mean, it's so yeah. much better for your body. You're getting exercise. Yeah. So much better for your body and brain than just driving. Of course. So yeah. people, and it's hard, right? We, we want things to be easy, right? right? We create these tools to make life easy, but sure. anytime it's something is easy, we're, we're depriving our brains and our bodies of the exercise that they need to get stronger. Yeah. Well, I was also thinking about, you know, the, the connection made with the intuition, because I have this yeah. theory that they've intentionally <laughs> kind of cut us off from our intuition. Um, I think that a lot of just the way our uh, modern, you know, industrialized now technological lives right. are, uh, it does a lot. Then there's, you know, we could go through many other, I mean, I think the fluoridation, I think they've done a lot to yeah. really just yeah. cut us off from our intuition. Um, and I think they've, this is just my theory, but from the research that I've done, it looks like they want us to believe that we are so much more advanced now today than we were previously in, uh, you know, older days of yeah. humanity and uh, throughout history. And I, I would argue that in many ways, we have a lot of evidence to indicate that that's not the case, but one right. of the strong, right? right. I, but one of the strongest things that I see is that when I just my reading of history, but even in my interaction with people who are, you know, decades older than me, I, I see the intuition is something we have has yeah. been very stunted. Right. And it's not only been stunted from, you know, I think chemical toxicity, from digital uh, usage and from lack of uh, immersement in the physical domain. Um, you know, because so much of our lives are done through screens and uh, right. just inconvenient, you know, indoors, for example. I mean, we spend so much less, like you said, we don't walk, we drive. Uh, but I think that that's one of the biggest differences that I see is that we are so, yeah. and, but it's not only that, it's also cultural, 
right? Like yeah. oftentimes I tend to be, I'm not nearly as intuitive as I was as a kid, but even now, like if I have a hunch about something and I find myself, I'll catch myself, like kind of <laughs> downplaying it. I'm like, well, right. it's just a silly hunch. Right. Um, but a lot of, we have hunches for a reason yeah. and they don't come yeah. out of nowhere. I mean, I'm not saying they're always correct, but I think we've been culturally kind of uh, trained to ignore them right, and right. oftentimes laughed at for trusting that. Right. And uh, I, uh, one more thing and then I'll, I'll no, no, wrap this up. No, no, but, that's good. Um, you know, even when I do research, a lot of people always ask me like, what, how do you do your research? Like what, you know, what do you find? How, how like, what's that process like? And it, what I think people are often surprised to hear is they because most people would expect it to be the other way around. But typically what happens is I have an intuition about something. Right. And then I'm like, I want to see if there's any evidence to substantiate this. And that's what sends me down these rabbit holes. Right. It's right. not, I think people are often surprised because they expect it to be the other way around. Like I, I'm presented with some piece of evidence or some fact, or I hear something. And then, you know, I may have a hunch as I start continuing, but it's really the other way around. It's usually like I get yeah. a gut intuition about something and then I'm like, okay, I need to, right, to dive right. down. So, well, and part of it, and that's exactly what you said. So part of it, that one of the core parts of the program is to train that, mm -hmm. right? So if you remember, we're doing these exercises, don't stop for mistakes, right? So you have to yeah. trust yourself. Then that's so hard. And intuition. And not shame yourself, right? Not, not get hot. Yes, because that OCD kind of loop that, Right. You know, some people have worse than others, but everybody has it's an element. So powerful for self-confidence, right? And then remember the the intuitive intuitive piece is what we call cognitively prime anticipation. So if yeah. your brain is primed to anticipate something, yeah, that's intuition, right? You yeah. you're sensing something that's coming. And if you don't stop for mistakes, you trust yourself and right. you trust your instincts. Right. And then when that anticipation happens, you execute on it perfectly with all this. And that's how we get into flow state, right. right? Because you're not thinking about it and you're reacting automatically. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about what flow state actually yeah. is? Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting. So so all, everybody writes about flow yeah, state. Right? There's course. a guy, yeah. Stephen Kyler, and he has this $10,000 program mm -hmm. for getting to flow state. Sure. Right. And it's all about, but these guys are all about, about, about what it is, what it is, what it is. I took someone through the same demonstration you did the other day, right? Okay. And she had taken his $10,000 program. And in 35 minutes, she goes, wow, I'm experiencing flow. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, instead of $10,000 to learn about it, we yeah. actually do it. Do so it. flow, at least from my perspective, is a synchronization of conscious and unconscious thought, mm -hmm. right? So if you're consciously thinking about something, it's not flow. And if you're unconscious though, if all that, so Kahneman talks about system one and system two thinking. So mm -hmm. all these guys, they do a lot of research and I love the research, but sure. I don't always agree with what they say. So Kahneman yeah. has system one is fast and unconscious thinking and system mm -hmm. two is slow and conscious. Well, what my program does is it turns the system two into system one. Mm. right so so now you're kind of skating above I, I i a lot of times i give this illustration so let's say you're here and you're overwhelmed like there's mm -hmm. so much stuff going on well if you can process it down here unconsciously yeah now your conscious is free to make better decisions right you're mm -hmm. looking ahead you relax anxiety goes away right. depression goes away and you're in a much better frame of mind because your brain is able to process so much more information so much more efficiently. Mm. And that's kind of where flow is. So, I, you know, I work with him, one of my clients is a top quarterback in the Canadian football. Mm -hmm. league. And he says, when that ball snapped, 
I have 17 different decisions I have to make. Right. He says, I go on the flow. All I do is I focus on my receiver. Everything else kind of goes in the background. And I and he's got one of the highest completion records of any mm -hmm. quarterback, right? Because that's right. all he does because he's in flow state. Yeah. And that's what the program is designed to create is that flow where you're just, no matter what the situation is, mm -hmm. your brain is relaxed and it's thinking fast and it's focused. Right. And so all that other stuff goes away. Wow. So I've heard that it was like a combination of alpha and theta brainwave states. Is that correct? Yes, kind of. So we've actually, it's interesting. So I've had neurofeedback people put their heads yeah. on while they do this. And they were all amazed at how quickly it got down into the to the flow state right. brainwaves. Because you make your brain work harder and then it just, it, it changes so fast. And that's one of the, so a couple of things about mm -hmm. the brain that I've learned from all this. Yeah. One, um, this robust stimulation starts to change the brain immediately, right? Not yeah. next week or next, mm -hmm. right? But very quickly. The harder the brain works, the faster it changes. Mm -hmm. And our brains will be wired around damage. So that's mm -hmm. why this is so powerful for dementia or concussions, because we're not trying to fix anything. We're just trying to train the brain to do what it needs to do to be most efficient. Mm -hmm. So and when you have these exercises that are targeting you know, all four lobes, both hemispheres and memory simultaneously, right. that's where all those connections get stronger and faster. And so it doesn't matter what you're struggling with, mm -hmm. right? Or even how good you are at certain things, right. it all gets better through those wow. connections. That, that's amazing. Um, I wanted to, the, we've, we've touched on the dopamine, but I wanted to circle back yeah. to that because I think it's a really fascinating thing that is kind of misunderstood because it's, really the reward circuitry right and it's really right. to motivate people because I, I my understanding of it is like because we were you know during hunting times you know yeah. you had to be motivated yeah. Yes, right, right, well right. you also had you had to be mo motivated to yeah. do the work right right so right. it's not really so much about like the i think because they call it the reward circuitry People think about the reward at the end, but it's really, right. it's that high to push you through. And that anticipation, it's interesting. So mm -hmm. I was just at the C-suite network yeah. event this, and I met a woman who specializes in eating disorders. Right. And we were talking about this because almost every person that does my program, if they want to lose weight, they lose weight. Mm -hmm. so, so I said, we can market this as a weight loss program. Right. <laughs> no, right. But basically, because a lot of people, they overeat because of the dopamine. They, they anticipate it's right. going to feel good if they eat, even though it's not good for them. Right. So they put the exercise on the refrigerator. Mm -hmm. And they want to get something to eat. They just run through the speed drill, kind of what you guys did at the end. Yeah. They get the dopamine release. They have control now. They feel back in control right. of what they're doing. And then they don't, they don't eat. That's fascinating. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. So yeah, it helps with that. It helps in so many different areas. So, but I was into had a good, interesting conversation with her today about that. Sure. Yeah, yeah I could totally see that. That's yeah. that's really interesting. What are your thoughts on? Because um, you're talking about with children and with parents, yeah. and I see the direction going. I mean, obviously this applies for adults too, but I, I think it's much worse for children. Uh, you were talking about how we're not in that, that part of our learning and part of the, the connection to the, the, the neuroplasticity to yeah. the intuition has to do with being in the physical domain, interacting yes, with the physical right. world. And we're, you know, I keep saying that I think that the, the powers that shouldn't be, if you will, I call them the parasite class, but they seem <laughs> to have this plan for us to be in a transhuman leading to post-human world where we're 
uh, controlled by an AI hive work mind that they program and then we're all siloed in metaverse. So right. I, I bring that up to say that I'm seeing this progression where, you know, certainly we saw it during COVID where much more and more geared towards being in boxes, on screens and atomized right. and so much more disconnected from yeah. reality. Yeah. And I, I keep making the, it's not really a funny joke, but just kind of like a, a commentary that I think we're going to be, at, and we might already be there where we're going to be in reality wars. And I, I mean that literally, like people are going to argue over what literally, kind of like when you have deja vu, like, did I dream that? Yeah. Was it real? Only it's going to be, did this happen in the metaverse or did this happen yes, in virtual right. reality or is this a real experience? So my long-winded way of asking, what do you think, it, do you see um, that the consequences of that? What do you think, can, do you think that anything can be done about it? Do you think that? You know, it's a good question. So it's interesting. I spoke at an event mm -hmm. in New York a couple of months ago called Being Human in a Digital World, okay. right? Because yeah. we're in the digital world. And a good friend of mine, Rebecca Murtaugh, has mm -hmm. this whole movement about the yeah. future is human because we want right. humans to be in charge of AI. Yeah. The problem is every time we have these massive rev revolutions, they happen slower. AI is happening really fast. And people are going to be sucked into it and not realize the danger. So right. her whole movement is about companies that put people first great AI can be a great tool. oh yeah I, i'm going to connect yeah. you with her for sure so so um you know ai can be a great tool sure. as long as we control it right right but if it's because it doesn't have a soul it right. doesn't have a a, a, a has a, a, a brain i suppose but it doesn't have a heart right, right? it's going to make decisions it's going to learn it's going to make things better depending on what the goals are and I guess it doesn't really, I, I should ask you, do you think it has the capacity for intuition? I guess it depends on how you define intuition. It depends how you define intuition. Yeah. It's interesting though, because it has to be controlled. So a great example, just before I spoke at this event, it was kind of uh -huh. funny. There was a story that came out, the Department of Defense, I guess the Air Force, had it was trying to program these drones to take out missile batteries to uh -huh. save their planes, right? So it was all AI-based, and so it would go around and it would target these missile batteries. Uh -huh. What happened, though, was eventually the drone realized, AI-based drone, that the biggest obstacle to success was the operator because the operator was telling it not to do things, oh, so wow. it attacked the operator. <laughs> okay. Now, it was all virtual, right? It wasn't real, right. but if someone forgot to program one little bit in there, wow. it could have been a disaster. Sure. So it's such an unexplored world right and it's so powerful and yeah. unfortunately in our world so many things are motivated by money right love of money is the root of all kinds of evil right? right and so if you're profit first and you don't care about people and you don't care about your competition mm -hmm. it can get into the wrong hands because it's just so powerful so sure. the same issue we always have it's always a moral issue right right I mean, in anything we do right yeah. so so who controls you know the tools yeah and that's really where the the problem is plus people get sucked into it right like you mentioned and i remember years ago when tv was a big thing right i remember <laughs> this big study they had these people okay they had this family okay we're gonna take your tv away for a year mm -hmm. and of course they resisted and then they loved it they had more time spending games the family was getting along better whatever right. all this at the end of the year that they, they could if they wanted to have their tv back Within a month, they had a TV back, right? Because they got so addicted to it, right? We're addicted to this entertainment and this digital stimulation, right. even if we know it's not good for us. 
Yeah. Well, and talking about dopamine, right? It's like yes. the, the red dot syndrome. Yes. And people are totally addicted yeah. to it. I, right. Yeah. I'm sure I'm guilty myself. So, right. Right. yeah. So I'm curious if you think that there's, uh, for the general population, is it something, this was, it was not easy, but it definitely is simple. And it's not super time consuming. No, it's very easy to Would do. And that was the goal. That yeah. Goal. So is this something you think that could mitigate against some of the, because what I see potentially, let's say that we derail their plans and that, you know, that, that they don't achieve this kind of, you know, post-human world. There's, there's actually a book. It's a, a guidebook to post-humanism. Okay. I mean, this, they, they really have written about these plants. So um, it's not, and they're creating an AI world society. I don't know if you know, you know about this. Yeah, no, they, no. It's no. like the UN 100 is talking oh, about wow. their, they're imagining the centennial of the UN. Um, and so it's two, 2045. And they, they're building out an AI world society in conjunction with the Glo uh, Boston Global wow. Forum. Uh, Michael Dukakis is like one of the spearheaders wow. of this. And uh, they're calling it the age of global enlightenment. And they're building the, they want the, the hub, the AI world society to be in Ukraine and have it connected to all these other like digital cities, smart wow. cities. Wow, I have to read that book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I can send you the link. Yeah. But um so, I mean, that seems to be where they're going. But let's say they're not successful in it. But even if they're not, we're still so disconnected from physical domain, right. physical reality. Right. Um, so, yeah. And I think most people, it's almost like Matrix, right? So yeah. most people, all they care about is they go to work, they come home, they might sure. spend a little time with their family, they're on their phone, they're watching Netflix, mm -hmm. they're, they're unaware of so many things. Right. right, and that's part of the problem. Is yeah. if you don't, if you're not aware of it, you're not going to be able to make the right decisions to to go against that. Right. So that absolutely could be true. I, I don't. I, I want to read that book. Yeah, yeah. Right? If this is happening, I, I have no doubt that it. Yeah. It could be happening. Yeah, um, it's definitely happening. But I think so. Like when I was saying how I feel like we're we're more and more disconnected from our intuition, um, yeah. and I do really yeah. think that's by design. I think that's intentional. Yeah. You know, people seem to think that we're so much more dumbed down, but I think a part of the dumbing down is to disconnect us from our intuition because yeah. Yeah. With, without that, then we're. Uh, much right. more susceptible to manipulation yes, and to being absolutely. controlled. Right, right. Yeah, how many people have a sense about something and they don't act on it, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, parents, you know, you got their kids online all day long, right? And uh, it's probably not a good idea, but I'm not, I'm not going to worry about it, right? right? The kids are doing you know, the, 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 a lot. Of, so even in my hometown, so yeah. in Evanston, Illinois, um, they did an experiment and they gave everybody had an iPad or a computer. Right. Okay. Right. They thought, oh, this is great because we have access. Well, what were the kids doing? Watching porn, playing games. They weren't. I mean, it was a serious problem. They weren't because, you know, just because you give kids access to some or even in India, they did an experiment a long time ago where they gave all these this little village, all these poor kids don't have technology. Right. Right. So they gave them all the technology and what they did, they played games. Yeah. They didn't learn more, right? They were already learning with all these great cognitive skills from their village elders or the sure. classes, whatever. They're interacting with their environment. So so content, you know, you can always learn content. Sure. But the school systems, they put the the you know, the primary emphasis on content mm -hmm. instead of everything that underlies that. And that's one of the problems we have. And one of the reasons my program was is so simple is specifically because of that, right? So mm. a third grader with ADHD or Navy SEAL, doesn't matter. They can all start the same way and improve their brain power, mm -hmm. intuition, like right? focus, faster thinking. 
So then whatever they're doing in their life then becomes easier. Mm-hmm. Their confidence improves. Right. And they're improving like you keep uh, intuition, right? So when they're, they could trust their intuition, they're going to be yeah. much more likely to make the right decisions yeah. in those, you know, pressure type situations. What is the connection? Are there any uh, studies or uh, observations made about uh, not just cognitive function in terms of like executive function, but IQ aptitude in terms of? Well, it's interesting. So, so that first platoon of Marines I did, we Mm -hmm. actually we actually did a cognitive skills like an IQ Mm test, actually by some very early developers of IQ. Um, mm-hmm. Helga Rowe and, and Dennis Jenkins. Mm-hmm. We did before and after cognitive skills tests, basically IQ tests right. of a control platoon and the experimental platoon I worked with. Okay. So the experimental platoon is went from worst to best in performance, but there was significant jump in the IQ tests as well. Wow. Because we're actually changing the brain's ability to process information. And in fact, one of our neuroscientists said that our exercises create something called long-term potentiation, which is just actually primes the brain to take in data faster, remember it longer. And that type of stimulation opens that window from like 45 minutes to four hours, depending on how much you do it. So every kid, I mean, one of my favorite stories, right? So so I do a lot of work in the inner city of Chicago. I used Mm -hmm. to, there was a high school, uh, a friend of mine was the advisor. He said, John, can you help my class? Right. Mm -hmm. So, so inner city, right? So a lot of trauma, a lot of other issues, behavior issues and so forth, sure. junior class. So I actually showed him how to do the exercises with his class because mm-hmm. and that's kind of the, the primary of our certification process was having him do that. 15 minutes, three times a week, eight weeks later, their, their ACT scores went up three full points, went wow. from the lowest to the highest in the school. Grades went up and behavior issues went down. Amazing. So that's the kind, yeah, that's the kind of thing that can happen so that Emotional regulation. The whole theory that IQ is static. And yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't believe it's static at all. I mean, it, you can definitely improve it. I have a young man I work with mm-hmm. um, who oxygen deprivation of birth really struggled in school. I started sure. working with him in his eighth grade. He got his first day ever in a non-remedial class. I still, I love this guy. I mm-hmm. still work with him. You know, kind of give him some exercises, yeah. and he's doing great. He just Amazing. won like uh, employee of the month at, at his work, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so so we definitely can change the brain to improve IQ or any other way that we measure it. That's amazing. Do you think uh, I, I'm still stuck on this intuition thing? Because <laughs> yes. it's so fascinating. Do yeah. you think Do you think intuition is like part of IQ? Would you? That's a good question. Well, so it depends, right? Depends right. what's calling people back. So the key of intuition is when you anticipate right. what's going to happen. That little bit of a buffer gives you that time to rethink about it, right? Sure. What are you going to do? What are you, how are you going to react? And so if you're racing through a test, mm-hmm. not thinking about it, right, then I think we could, if intuition would help, right? Because you, you sure. have a chance to think a little bit before you answer. Right. Um, but again, I'm not, I'm not sure if that's sure. how it does it, but, um, you know, anticipation is always good, especially sports, mm-hmm. right? If you know where the ball's going to go before, before it gets there, right? Yeah. Um, I, I might have mentioned before, so one of my favorite clients, I work with a goalie for the Columbia National mm-hmm. World Cup team, right. Kat Perez, right? Mm-hmm. And I love it, right? Because she'd have a, I, I, so I'd work with her like a half an hour at, no, at night, and the next day I'd watch her play in the World Cup, you know? Right, and, so right. was, and the team did great, but uh, until she got an eye, eye infection towards the end. But, oh, no. but that was just kind of cool to be able to see the real world impact so quickly sure. for an athlete 
anticipation or intuition is huge. Where's the ball going, right? If right. you can get ahead, whether you're a, a golfer or a, a baseball player or a sure. basketball player or a soccer player, when you can intuit where the ball is going to be, it just makes a, a big difference. I mean, I can think of it in so many different because it really, I think I would think it impacts a pattern recognition. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned that. And you, yeah. if you remember, we, we yeah. it, pattern recognition is huge, right? Athletes for sure. sure. But even so in our lifetime, we build up a pool of knowledge from yeah. what we've learned and also what we've experienced. Right. Right. And so if you learn something, you might relate it to your experience. Mm -hmm. If you experience something, you might want to learn about it. Right. And so those two spheres, the larger they get, the more data that we have to draw on. Right. Now, the third sphere really is mental efficiency. Mm -hmm. So if we can't make those patterns, then it's almost wasted after a while, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we, we start to get build up so much, it's like our buffer gets full. Right. But we improve that pattern recognition and processing speed. We can map up. That's, oh, I learned that. Mm -hmm. That's what I experienced. And you can pull it together yeah. and we can create. So innovation, this is huge for innovation. Yeah. Right? Because innovation to me is not necessarily creation, but adaptation. Mm -hmm. Almost every great innovation is something in one hemisphere, right, or environment mm -hmm. that was adapted to something else. And it worked. It's like my life. So I adapted my process work from business to yeah. the brain. Yeah. And that's an innovation. So when you can make those, recognize those patterns and mm -hmm. pull things together, mm -hmm. that's really when great things can happen. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that it's just valuable in so many different fields. I mean, like if uh, it directs what, where, like you said, what, where the study would go next. So right, right. whether it be in science or, yeah, business or, yeah. Right, right. That's, yeah, amazing. What do you see as, so with the study of the brain, I feel like they keep saying we know so little. Yeah, yeah. So what do you feel like uh, we're making the fastest kind of discoveries in terms of? That's a good question. And so for me, because I don't get into the deep sure. parts, I'm more about, I try to keep things simple mm -hmm. and I keep more about the effects of the brain as opposed right. to what's really happening deep. Yeah. But that's where I've had such great relationship with neuroscientists and psychologists, mm -hmm. right? So rather than me spending 25 years researching, right. I asked someone who spent 25 years researching, right, so right. what do you think is happening? What do you think is happening, right? Mm -hmm. And they helped me a lot with that information. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, they're getting down to the micro level of, of neurons. I mean, we have more neurons in our brain than our stars in the sky. I know, I it's mean, crazy. it's so massive. And the, the gut-brain connection that they're yes, learning. Yes, the gut-brain is yeah. huge, right? Right, yeah. you have neurons in our stomach. More I mean, neurotransmitters in our stomach than our amazing? brain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're learning. But one thing like maybe we're learning about this is how we have to be healthy. We have to eat right. well, Yeah. right? We can't trash our brain or our gut, right? right. I mean, it all is part of this incredible ecosystem God gave us to be healthy. Right. And so maybe that's where the, you know, the discoveries are happening is just in the physical, micro-physical level of the brain. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the brain just it blows me away. It yeah, it's, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. But that's a really interesting point that you bring up because I'm always thinking about like how, you know, I say to, to inform, inspire, empower. Yes. Right? So I'm always trying to think of like if people have information and then they can be inspired to do something with it and how can, you know, they be empowered to really, I'm hoping to, you know, empower people to take whatever 
personal sovereignty they can. Yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of one of my main missions because yes. I feel like that's the free will of humanity is in jeopardy right now. Yeah. Uh, but when you, talk, right, when you talk about the uh, how we need to take uh, ownership of the health and that there's such a strong connection there and that's really being attacked. Yeah. And I think that oh, people yeah. don't often make the, the connection uh, between mm -hmm. the two. But what they want, if, I mean, if, theoretically, if you were to want to control a bunch of people, you would want to dumb them down. You would want to make them docile. And uh, yeah, know, yeah. Mm, right, and one of the ways right. you do that is right. to deteriorate the health of just their physical health because it actually affects, I think people don't realize what's, yeah. how that impacts the brain. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Diet is so important to our brain. Yeah. Exercise is huge, right? Yeah. Exercise stimulates our brain, creates BDNF, which is the ability of our brains to create new, new neurons, right? Neurogenesis. Right. I mean, yeah, we, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, sitting around on a couch or a sofa playing video games is not good for our it's brain. It's not good for our brain. Yeah. So you've also done some work with, uh, you were talking about with the, the like veterans and uh, yeah. uh, some brain disorders. What have you seen with that? Yeah, so it's interesting. So when I was working with the military and originally, you know, um, I was working with guys preparing them for combat, right? But when right. guys were coming back, um, they would do the same exercises. And the cool thing was they could do them with their families. So it mm -hmm. helped them reintegrate with their families. Yeah. The kids got the benefits. They got the benefits. And it really accelerated recovery from the concussions and, and depression and, and psychological disorders, but also um, from post-traumatic stress, right? So if you can, intuition, right? So, uh -huh. so many, I mean, one Marine I remember, he said to me that, um, he'd go out to dinner with his wife and she'd pour ketchup on her hamburger and he would freak out because all he could see was the blood from when he was in combat, right? Right. After the program, it didn't happen anymore because he could anticipate or intuit when that was going to happen. Hmm. And because of that, he was associated with the exercises. He felt, you know, the dopamine, all those other things would kick in, right? right. And and then he could actually do the right behavior that he was, you know, his therapist was telling him to do and he, he, he didn't lose that. Same thing with another Navy SEAL um, diver that I worked with. Um, after I spent a week with this is EOD in San Diego. At the end of the week, he said, "John, you saved my life." He said, "Before this, I, I deployed four four times. I had so much anger, I was tearing my unit apart." He said, "That's all gone. We get along better than ever before. I get along with my family better than before. My my wife and I are getting along better than before mm -hmm. because all that trauma was taken away from from the brain training." Wow, so yeah. it actually re works through the trauma. Yes, and and I I don't even know 100% why it helps so bad, but I think it's the right. intuition, intuition. They anticipate something's coming. Um, all the dopamine release and the endorphins and the oxytocin that they experience when they do the training, I think, changes the brain also. Sure. And then they're able to get beyond or just to get past whatever that trigger is and get into whatever's next and not get stuck. Wow, that is fascinating because I, I definitely think, you know, and it's just my theory and observation, but I, I think that trauma stunts brain. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it just shuts people down. Mm -hmm. And the problem is, and one of my big pet peeves is the medical community. These guys mm -hmm. come back with trauma and they pump them full of drugs. Oh, you're anxious, take this drug. Oh, right. now you're depressed, take this drug. They could be on five, six, seven things. And it's a myth that these that vets are committing suicide because of their trauma. They're committing suicide because they're trying to get off the drugs. Mm -hmm. The drugs are messing them up. And these totally. psychiatrists should have their licenses taken away. 
because they're just experimenting. Yeah. And I've talked to some of these guys and they're so zoned out because of these meds for no reason. For no reason. Right? It's terrible. There's so many better ways that these guys can recover. Well, and oftentimes the, the drugs cause traumatic effects. I, yes, I've, right, right. I've heard from vets, uh, they talked about there was an anti-malaria drug, Malfoquin, that was actually creating post-traumatic stress-like really? symptoms. Yeah. yeah. And like from... Uh, from veterans who like did not go to combat, yeah. like they didn't actually have the the trauma that would induce right. those types of symptoms that they were experiencing, as if yeah. they had, you know, the, the severe... love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So yeah. pharmaceutical companies are making money on this, right? Someone's making money on this. The doctor's making money on this. Mm -hmm. And so when that's the motivation instead of the health of the people that they're supposed to be taking care of, right? These things happen. Yeah. And then, of course, there's with all the SSRIs, they, I mean, they found that there was actually no uh, correlation between mm. chemical imbalance. Yeah. Right. right. And this, most of these studies were done in the 90s. And then, yeah, this, of course. Right. And now it was like big headlines recently. Well, or so many studies, a 45 minute walk outside right. without your phone, right, is yeah. better for any than any antidepressant. Sure. Right? Of course. But yet <clears throat> they keep prescribing. And they and a lot of these uh, SRIs and anti other types of antidepressants were actually causing suicidal ideation. Yes, right. And right. they had quantifiable evidence to indicate right. that, and yeah. yet they keep they kept right. prescribing them, claiming that they were curing it's money. Yeah. Money over the lives of our vets. I mean, it's, yeah. it's tragic. I feel like uh, I mean, I definitely think that there's a for-profit model and that there's a, a fiscal motivation, but I. I'm a little bit more sinister in my view. I think that there's definitely also a, a control uh, factor. Yeah. You know, I mean, a Prozac yeah. nation is much more susceptible to right. propaganda and manipulation and uh, right. and dependency. Now, you you not only have uh, uh, patients who are uh, you know fiscal fiscally reward, fruitful for you. You know, they're going to be loyal customers, right. but they're also dependent because they believe that they're they can't just go off. And oftentimes, if you were to just cold turkey, go off a lot of medications, there are complications. Right, so, right, right. Yeah. So now you've created a, a model of dependency as well as uh, right. weakened brain states. And yeah. Oh, I know. It's terrible. it's terrible. Yeah. So what you're doing is really like it's not super time consuming. It's pretty nope. easy. It, do you feel like really are there any limitations to who could do this who could benefit from it it's a good question so a lot of times people will say i have such and such a condition or mm -hmm. my kids can you help yeah so so far uh, i think it would be difficult if someone was blind although sure. we could probably fix that around because we want to engage the eyes mm -hmm. but i've had people i mean everything from i mean uh, cerebral palsy a, a young man a college student who could mm -hmm. barely use his hands and then three weeks later he says for the first time in my life, I can open a bottle with a bottle opener and a bag of crackers without crushing oh. them. Pretty useful skills for a college kid, he said, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. re-energize the connections <laughs> to his hands. Yeah. I'm working with a young woman who, uh, a phenomenal young woman, and she actually was a, an opera singer. She was on mm -hmm. her way to New York to audition for La Boheme, mm -hmm. was taking a selfie with her boyfriend in a tree, fell 20 feet laying on her head, coma for four months. She could barely speak or use her hands when I first started working with her. Wow. Now she can play the piano again. She can sing. She has some trouble walking, but she's working on that, right? We're yeah. working on it because we're rewiring all those connections. Wow. Um, strokes, um, dementia, Alzheimer's. 
So the first time I work with people like that, they always say, can you help? I said, I can't promise. Let's sure. try. Uh, a young woman, a neurodiverse woman had so many different issues and then th those all went away. So, wow. so by, but I'm, and I'm becoming, uh, and I am a believer in my program, right? But more sure. and more believer in my program as we overcome harder and harder issues because yeah. we're really rewiring the brain not to fix it but to do what it needs to do right so almost everyone i've worked with they've gotten better wow you know? and the cool thing is it's it's like so i work with high performers to get better i also work with people who are struggling sure that means that people who are struggling if they keep doing the program they'll Could be become better. yes yeah they'll be better than when they were before they had their injury that's amazing you were saying that you think it would be difficult for blind people. And of course, I don't know, but I, theoretically, because of the neuroplasticity of the brain and because other senses to tend to rewire and take over, um, I would imagine that you could do something where possibly like, like a braille, braille right? yeah, yeah, or I, even auditory. Yes. I, I mean, I love to try it. So, so as yeah. you know, when you do the exercise, you're using your eyes, ears, mouth, right. Hands. Yes. <laughs> So you wouldn't have the eye input, right. but I would love to experiment. Let's try, right? Yeah. Someone's body wants to try it. I'd love to try. Maybe you'd, like you said, like feeling like some kind of braille or right. some other way to engage. Although, so mm -hmm. so uh, one of the fundamental books when I did this was Norman Doidge's book, The Brain yeah, That Changes yeah. Itself. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Everybody's got to read that book, right? Great book. Well, he wrote a second book called The Brain That Changes Itself. Yep. I mean, I mean, I mean yeah, that, uh, The Brain the Way of Healing. Oh, I don't know. And I've met some of the people he talks about in there. Okay. Phenomenal. So basically people like me, we call it neuroplastician because yeah. we're not in the traditional medical community, but we've developed ways to change the brain physically to help people. Right. One of the, one of the, maybe it was in, you tell me, maybe it was in the first book. Okay. Or maybe second book, first book, where there was a guy that actually he lost his sight as an adult and they put a camera on his head and they wired it to his tongue. Right. And so now, he, so so the only his his brain could recognize vision, but obviously, but the eyes were he couldn't use. Right. Over time, he was able to see well enough to shoot baskets, and they found that when they did that, the parts of the brain controlled by the tongue got much larger, and the the optical nerve parts got much smaller because where it was stimulating was the tongue. Right. The same guy I met him. Um, he's a Russian guy. He did the same thing with people who have a hard time balancing. I mean, this is, it's tragic. These people, like, they can't, you know, they can, he put something on their tongue to stimulate their tongue, and, like, within a day, their balance came back. So incredible, incredible things, right, yeah. that people are doing, and outside the medical profession, not that sure. they're not, they're bad. I mean, they're good, right? right? They're doing their best. Sure. But people have these ideas, and they try to make them happen, and mm -hmm. they understand that the brain is changeable, and they can stimulate it where they need to, right. it can make these incredible changes. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I don't want to say, obviously, the medical industry has done some really wonderful things, but unfortunately, there's, so, they, you know, I, I actually just did a show on this, like the, the Rockefeller takeover of medicine. And so, it, you know, uh, the whole uh, allopathic model has changed a lot of the way yeah. that uh, doctors are trained. And, you know, again, this is not to, you know, chastise doctors. I, I think a lot of them, you know, are doing oh, wonderful yeah, things. We really, yeah. we need yeah. them, especially, you know, for acute medicine, for sure. But I think because of the training that they uh, incur they're you know, it's really designed like a pill for an ill. They're really taught. Uh, they're not taught to think outside the box. They're not taught to mm. 
treat someone holistically. So right, right. they treat they, symptoms, not the exactly. causes. Yeah, they're not looking yeah. for root causes, and they're not looking, uh, you know, at like alternative type of trial and error. Right, so right. someone like you can come outside. I, it's interesting. It's actually an interesting thing that uh, when I interviewed uh, Dr. Malone, he was. I had asked him about exosomes, and it was kind of like, yeah, Dr. Malone, that's cool. You're, yeah, you're, you're, wow, <laughs> so, that's great. But he had said to me, uh, and I, I wasn't sure where he, you know, how he would feel about the question, but his response was very interesting because he told me that oftentimes people who are outside of the field make the biggest breakthroughs. And it's because, you yeah, yeah. uh, know, I don't think he worded it this way, but essentially it's like you were put into a box and it's those people yeah, who don't yeah. see the box because they weren't put in there. Right. You right, know, and exactly. he told me about Thomas Kuhn, a book that Thomas Kuhn wrote, and that it was all about that, like the paradigm shifts. Mm. Um, so I think yeah. somebody like you, who is, you know, coming at it from a different angle, is able right. to uh, try different modalities or, you know, like a yeah. Deutsch, you know, with the, the tongue experiments. Yeah. I think, yeah, because it's somebody who is trained from a very, a uh, traditional Western med medicine perspective is going not going to be taught that that's yeah, that that's right. silly or that that's not right. what we do. <laughs> right, right. No, so. absolutely. And and you're right. They're in this box and mm -hmm. it's safe, and you know they don't have time to do a lot of research, or whatever. But yeah. they, so they do what everybody else does, or what they tell them to do. Right. Um. And then, as you said, people outside the box. Whatever you want, right? <laughs> but because the, you know, to you talk about neuroplasticity, right? The body is so adaptive, yeah, and the right. brain is so adaptive. So if we to start, I think the body and the body wants to heal, right? We yes, want to that's function. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. if we're to give it other potential uh, modalities and other ways to find connections to compensate, right. I think we will. Which is really interesting because you talked about working with athletes, yeah. and it's. I think it's like one of the biggest strengths and also the, their biggest detriments. So a lot of uh, very skilled, talented athletes tend to be master compensators. Mm, so, and it often, yeah. you know, for their specific sport that might really serve them. Uh, but it often creates imbalances and dysfunctionalities yeah, in other, right. in other right. ways. So. Right. Right. No, actually, no, I love working out. It's interesting coaches are problems because they have their own way of doing things right athletes typically get this really well because they train their bodies mm -hmm. they train their minds sometimes they'll do like a mental toughness coach or something yeah and then i help them train their brains and they really get into it and they yeah. really really make impr impressive changes pretty quickly yeah i could yeah. totally see that I, you had also mentioned with the kids that one of the first things they do in traditional school systems is take away the sports yeah yeah, because they're, think, they're trying to save money. Right. It's a budget. So sports, um, you know, uh, shop, right. um, home ec. Yeah. You know, every boy should go through home ec. It's like every girl, right? Because yeah. cooking is a great cognitive skill. Think about it. Yeah. Okay, you have a recipe. You got to mm -hmm. plan it. You got to measure it, right? You need numbers. You need math. You mm -hmm. need to know. And then as you get better at it, you can start experimenting. So what if I try a little bit more salt, a little bit more time, right. something else? And then it's a great mental exercise to create some, sure. and you get to eat it when you're done. Right, right. right. So, it's practical. So if it tastes terrible, okay, that's a bad mistake. <laughs> but if it's good, you get to eat it, right? There's right. a dopamine reward because you're anticipating that this is going to be good when you're done. So, yeah. so cooking is a great exercise. So parents out there, teach your kids how to cook. Right. right? Both sex, who cares, right? Both mm -hmm. sex, teach them how to cook. 
how about day we, we when we were growing up we did that my we had a day off where my, my dad said okay mom's not cooking you guys cook so wow. i had three younger brothers and so we would have to learn how to cook and wow you know so in you know clean up afterwards that's your planning piece mm -hmm. right so okay so i got to do the dishes i got the dishwasher where's everything go all that thing is good for kids because they're anticipating planning right pattern recognition what goes where all that stuff so good for kids yeah and it's also so good for just human survival yeah right right i feel like that's one of the things that that's what just keeps going through my head is when i think about like what you're you're doing and the results that you've seen it's like trying to restore humanity to what we were designed yeah, to do because yeah, yeah. we've been so disconnected for so long. I feel like from, right. and that's not to say that we haven't done some really wonderful things and made some great sure. advancements we have, but I think in many ways we've been really stunted from, uh, you know, the, what it means to be fully human. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah. to be fully human means we need to interact with our environment. Yeah. You know, if you want to be a machine, sit there on your computer all day long, right? right. And play games. Okay, fine. Okay. Go into the matrix. Who cares? Mm -hmm. If you want to be a fully functional human being with people, relationships, mm -hmm. go take a walk with someone outside, right? Right. And this is the thing I tell yeah. people sometimes, right? So, so my, you know, Minecraft and all these other games on the computer, right? Yeah. They, they're sucking kids into the screen. You take a box and a couple of balls, put it out in the middle of the field with a bunch of kids. Mm -hmm. They'll entertain themselves all day long. Oh yeah. In, inventing games totally right? it's such a more enriching mental environment yeah. than sitting on some stupid screen well i think about even just with like dolls and yeah, toys right. Yep. right like if you look at older generations like they would take you know whatever like yeah. sticks and stones and that that right. would be whatever they wanted it to be yeah. and then it got so much more specific. Right. Um, right. Like certainly with the, the invention. Yeah, now of you gotta have the blonde and like, Barbie and not the yeah. you know, like I mean with these tennis you, shoes. I mean it's like you have no imagination. That, no now. imagination, right? Yeah. Right. So what what are your uh future plans with what you're doing? Like what's yeah, the next thanks step? for asking. So basically I've been doing this on my own. I have a wonderful yeah. company now. We're actually transitioning. So for all these years it was called combat brain training because it was yeah. basically help combat. So we we re reformatting, rebranding as the Kennedy method. I've got two amazing partners. So mm -hmm. I I want to do this. I didn't want to run the company. So Steve is our CEO. Okay. Daniel is our amazing developer. So okay. what we're doing now is we're trying to develop an online program. Oh, wow. So instead of just me doing it, because I, I love to do this and I can sure. help people. And I work with Zoom so I can help people anywhere, but it's only me, right? right. So we have a certification program we're working on. A, a guy, Tim Stewart, I've certified. He's an awesome. I'm trying to train other people to do what I do. Amazing. But the main thing is the online version, which okay. means anybody with a computer can be able to go through the same exercises that you went through. Wow. And then Daniel's building in the AI component, which basically takes the place of me. It doesn't really place me, right? But right, I mean, right. at least for going through it. So it can measure accuracy, speed, and smoothness. And so as you proceed, it will kind of tell you what you should do next. And so I got the same benefits. So we're really excited about this for schools. Sure. Because, you know, the, the teacher can just assign like, you know, 15 minutes a night as part of their homework. And then when they're in the class together, she can take them all as a group through a few minutes of exercise. Wow. So they get all the emotional regulation and the team building in person, you know, yeah. for a few minutes. 
but then it's part of the, it's kind of the con, I don't know if you remember the Khan Academy, Khan Academy, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's Khan Academy model, right? Where kids yeah. learn at home on the computer and then they can talk about it in class. Right. So this way the teacher can assign them as homework. And, mm -hmm. and so the kids, their grades will get better, their emotional, I mean, all the great things that are happening, but they'll be able to do it online as opposed to just with a person. You kind of do the hybrid, teacher leads them through right. the exercise, they do it at home night. So really excited about that. Yeah. So with an online version, we help anybody in the world, right? Sure. Improve. So that's kind of the, our next, that's what we're working on right now. That's next super <clears> exciting. <throat> what do you, do you have any uh, plans to uh, like track or measure improvements and progress? Well, we are. So, so okay. it's interesting. So we, and that's what we built into the system. So when that's I work great. with people I, like you guys did, right? We, we actually yeah. did a speed of processing measurement yeah. and that sure. will continue to get better. So whenever we work with people, I, I noticed from the very first experiment that I mentioned with the Marine Corps, you know, it was very, very regimented, very scientific, right? Sure. And they had all these different measurements. The next group I was going to work with, the battalion commander says, I don't want any before <laughs> and after. I know this works. Just work like I'm not going to I'm not going to waste government money not training people. Right? right. So no more control groups. So we measured progress. But what was important to them? So like the Marine Corps rifle and pistol team, their marksmanship autocrat. Mm -hmm. For the infantry squad leaders course, very, very important course with the Marines because these young guys are 19, 20 year old. They're going to lead 16 guys into combat, right? Right. The average score across the Marine Corps when I did my pilot with these two groups mm -hmm. was like 82, right? So okay. the two groups that I work with, 93, 94, highest ever. Hmm. Scout sniper program, right? One of the toughest in all the military. So sure. typically 30 to 40% dropout rate, only one drop per class. Highest marksmanship scores ever. So uh, basketball teams, right? I work with a basketball wow. team, right? So shooting percentage, average shooting percentage improved by 7%. So I always mm -hmm. try to measure results yeah. based on what's important to the people I'm working with. Sure. Right? So reading, so a young man with autism, he his reading and comprehension improved like 20% in like just an hour. That's amazing. So that's what we want to measure by. Wow. An hour of training went through. So. Wow. So that's what we want. We want real world yeah, exactly. measurements. Um, but the nice thing about the online version is actually be able to track their benefit, right? So yeah. their, their speed, their accuracy and so forth. Sure. So we're just trying to work that out. I was really curious about with the, the schools because I feel like for to see oh, the so difference. In, yeah. Especially the mo emotional regulation piece, right? There's yeah. so many kids are suffering in school now because COVID shutdowns and all that crazy stuff. I think there's <clears> also all the like SEL yeah. and like the... Just the all this stuff they're nonsense they're teaching them yeah, yeah exactly but i think the sel because a lot of it is, is now starting to incorporate a lot of tech ed um which you know does do it's like dual purpose the feedback loop right they're yeah. data mining them and programming yes. them simultaneously i right. think it's really doing a major disservice oh absolutely because again it's content okay so yeah. let's let's learn about this whereas right. with, with my program we actually emotionally regulate mm -hmm. their brain Right. So they can, right. their stress goes down, you know, their, their performance goes up, their yeah. confidence goes up. So it can create all those kinds of things. Yeah. That would be really fascinating to see the, the progress of those students and, you know, the comparison yeah. to the students who don't use it. Right. Right. Um, and see what a difference that that's. And that's what we're kind of do is kind of some pilots at first. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's what we want to do. We right. Do, like this class will do it. This class won't. Let's okay. see what the results are um, over the course of a, semester or something and then is there like uh so we did some of the exercises so i know uh you know there's variety and i know obviously you want to 
keep doing them and you can track your progress. Right. But is there, uh, is it like kind of a set thing or is there advancements? Are there levels or? Yeah. So what you did, like even yeah. by the end, you were doing stuff you probably couldn't have done in the beginning, right? Because okay. the brain changes so fast with this right. kind of stimulation. But every session I meet with people or if I do a workshop or we lay it out for the students, always works harder in two different ways. One, it works harder, but also brings in more parts of the brain. So we did the fruit, right? Color and fruit. Mm. So we would we would bring in other translations, okay. other kinds of things. We mentally turn. I mean, there's a per spatial. So there's a lot of ways we bring in more parts of the brain just to make more connections. Right. And so typically at the end of every session, some typical sessions are like 50 minutes, what we did today, um, people are doing something there's no way they could have done when they started. Right? Uh, and that's the goal, right? Because yeah. that's the where you really, wow, I couldn't have done that before. And now you can, which means your brain is physically changed to handle that load. And that's what's going to manifest itself in the real world. One of my favorite uh, stories, so I work with this uh, financial analyst, right? Uh -huh. He was very overwhelmed at work, and he just got okay. a promotion. So I work with him on a Friday. Okay. And then I, I, I expected to hear from him the following week that work was going better, which I did. Right? Okay. But Monday morning, I got an email from him. Hey, John, I got to tell you what happened. Mm -hmm. I ran through your exercises Saturday morning. I got more done around the house by noon than normally would all weekend. And my wife now says, when she talks to me, I'm focused on her. Oh. Right? You already made my home life great. I can't <laughs> wait to get to work. Because those are the things that happen. Now, those same improvements will help them at work as well. Sure. But we weren't even thinking about home life, but that's where he noticed them first. Interesting. Guys like to tell me, they say, you know, this John is awesome. I can watch a football game and listen to my wife at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple processing, right? At the same yeah. time. So it manifests itself in people in all kinds of ways. Right. And that's hilarious. Uh, I know when you we were doing it, you were talking a lot about the integration of left and right hemispheres. Yes, right, um, right. And I think we are in a very compartmentalized type of uh, world. I just think people tend to be very dominant in one or the other. Yeah. Um, I happen to be left-handed. Okay. And they often say that left-handed people have more integrated brain hemispheres. Okay. Um, I actually think that is true. I don't tend to be like super one or the other, although I think that my experiences have kind of leaned me in yeah. one or the other, right? We yeah. tend to we adapt for right, yeah, right, functionality. Right. right. Um, so do, do these exercises, because I think we would benefit from being less uh, compartmentalized, right? Well, true. And so that's why we engage both hands, because that controls right. both sides. And then later, more advanced ones, we also control both feet. So now we've got, because the brain is crossing, right? So we've got brain to hand to feet. All those connections get stronger. Oh, Very ooh. important for athletes, but yeah. for anybody. Even, you know, you, you improve your balance, your foot speed, right. and your coordination, so you're not going to slip on the ice. So it has a lot of benefits besides just for athletes. Sure. And then you're making more connections, longer connections, all the way down to your feet, faster and stronger as well. Another thing we do is we add a metronome. So mm -hmm. we add timing to it okay which is very important and then the nice thing about the metro what's kind of fun is we can change the speed so when you can do that same exercise you did but with the pressure of a metronome right. it increases your ability to make decisions under stress because you can't change the speed of the metronome it's going to keep pushing you faster and faster and faster and yet you still have to make those fast accurate decisions using all parts of your brain so the next time you're in a stressful environment then not going to bother you because you've already trained your brain to be fast and focused and under stress. So there's a lot of different aspects we bring in. What uh, you may have, I know you talked a little bit about dementia, but what are your thoughts about uh, like for aging? 
aging. Right. Well, one of the things that happens when we get older is we just have so much information. Mm. You ask a 20 year old a question, they'll go yes or no. Right. Ask someone older, it's, well, it depends, right? Because there's more data we're bringing into right. it. But when the brain, that, that pattern recognition I talked about before, when that mm. becomes faster and more focused, it really helps older people because they still have all that data, <clears throat> but mm -hmm. they can assimilate it faster and make a better decision quicker because their brain is pulling all these connections in faster, the patterns, right. the anticipation, all those kind of things come into play. And so they actually make better decisions faster. Right. I, I'm wondering if it would have like an anti-aging kind of oh, uh, yeah. benefit. One of my neuroscientists in Har at Harvard, Harvard Martino Center, said this could be the most powerful anti-aging program. Yeah. Exactly because of that, because it changes the brain to be able to process faster and to reverse dementia, reverse mm -hmm. memory loss. Well, and I, I'm also thinking because of the neuroplasticity, like I think one of the things that accelerates aging is the rigidity yeah right, right? so i mean obviously we, we right. notice that in the bo body physically but i think that it happens in the brain i think yeah. the brain it's a feedback loop because it's all connected right so if you were right. to change that i would think that that would have oh yeah this. much more flexible better you know quicker decisions right. right the ability to make decisions faster and change your mind all those kind of well again the in intuition mm -hmm. comes into part of that but yeah absolutely I was, when he said that i was kind of Please, obviously, but I was surprised because mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that happens, I remember why he said this. So so this is another part of anti-aging. Mm -hmm. so one of the things as we get older <clears throat> is the capillaries that feed our neurons start to dry out. Yeah. And then once they're they're completely dried out, then the, those neurons are gone. Mm -hmm. This is one of the reasons we lose memory. Well, one of the things that people will notice when they do this program is they can actually feel it in their head. We're increasing the blood flow so much. And that's what he said. He said, well, you're increasing the blood flow so much, one, you're going to reverse the memory loss, but also you can actually create neurogenesis and create new neurons. So because of that massive amount of blood, in order to do these exercises, right. your brain gets flooded with blood, which is good, right? Yeah. All the capillaries fill with blood. And that's, I'm glad you mentioned it because that's why he said it was such a powerful anti-aging program. Yeah. That's the a, blood flow. The blood flow, right. Yeah. So that would increase the uh, nutrient distribution and yeah. circulation. And, yeah, because yeah, if there's no blood, it's going to die, right? The right. cell will die. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Wow, well, this has been fascinating. <laughs> um, well, you're a great interview. I love your questions. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if you have anything else you want to add. Definitely, please do. Yeah, um, no, just people can look us up. We're yeah, obviously tell trying us to grow. To find you. So basically, so our, um, we're rebranding. So our, our, our website is www.thekennedymethod.co. Okay. So it's not com, it's .co. .co. And I have another website, it's a little bit older, needs to be updated, that is called the Mental Performance Institute.org, mm -hmm. not com, but dot org. Mm -hmm. And that's where I start to put some of the more research and so forth. Because when I, sp I speak at medical conferences mm -hmm. at least once a year, and I needed something that was more, sounded better than just a business website, right? right. So Mental Performance Institute.org or the Kennedy Method.co are the two websites we use. So I have one more question. How do you find, because you do speak at medical yeah. uh, conferences, how do you find that the medical industry responds to this? Well, it's always interesting, right? right. Because And I get tons of requests. And I have sure. to do more articles. And my daughter's going to help me write some articles. And mm. uh, But um, it's interesting because... You know, the three people before me were speaking will be saying, well, we've discovered this one thing and we think maybe in 10 years it might mm -hmm. make a difference. And I get up and I say, OK, 
we basically cure, you know, autism and brain trauma. And here's the results. And here's uh -huh. a video of someone getting better. And it usually blows them away right. to the point where they almost don't even believe it. Right. Right. Because the medical community is, in fact, one of the coolest uh, endorsements I ever got was from a neuroscientist who went through basically what you did tonight. And she said, this is awesome. You're optimizing system one, fast and unconscious, and system two, slow and conscious thinking. Mm -hmm. You're actually creating flow state. And she said, this could never have happened in traditional uh, medicine because it's research-based and research okay. is reductionist in nature. In other words, right. they try to find one thing, right? And they build all these years of research to hopefully it'll make a difference. She said, this never could have come. It must have come from God. She actually said that. I go, okay, I'll take that as an endorsement <laughs> from a neuroscientist, right? Yeah. So basically, I mean, because it is, it engages so many parts, different neurotransmitters, different parts being simultaneously, and that's really why it, it's so powerful. So I'm yeah. hoping my my big goal with yeah. when I speak at medical conferences for some university or someone out there to want to do a study. Yeah. So I have all the results, and we've had a few studies along I mean, the I way. I have all the questions for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, right. Let's do a study, right? Yeah. Let's compare this to something else, and, and let's see, you know, let's see what you, yeah. your research says. Really yeah. get some uh, quantifiable data. Right, yeah. right. right. And get some uh, money behind it. Yeah, that's So the... that it can be mass distributed. Right. Because I can train, I mean, therapy, I can train therapy. You want to you wanna mm -hmm. help? Your people here let, let's train your people and you can integrate it right into your existing practices sure yeah so. well yeah i mean i love what you're doing with the you know for direct to individuals right That's, yeah right and for the veterans so yeah all right so i uh, if we're at the two website the mental uh performance mental performance institute.org and, and then the kennedy method.co awesome not com yet That's well thank right. you so much thank you this has been great this has been great Thank you. I enjoy this. Thank Likewise. You. And thank you all so much for watching.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.